two-hour event travels 400 years into the past. There's a hell I've been there. The futures of Buffy and Angel revealed. Slayers, you killed two of them. You're gonna show me how. As old friends and enemies return in an extraordinary journey through time. Sarah Michelle Gellar, David Boreanaz, in an all-new Buffy Angel two-hour event. I smell fear. Welcome to Sid the Wily Dairy Gnome, also known as If the Apocalypse Comes Weekly. This is a weekly-ish podcast about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where we take a look at each episode according to its original air date 20 years ago, and this week's episode is Season 5, Episode 7, Fool for Love. So we will be talking about the plot, and we will be talking about the characters in the show. We will also be talking about Boxer Rebellion, so spoilers about for this episode, every episode before, after it, the comics, and possibly even other shows and movies. I don't know about you, dear listeners, but I think it is well past time we had ourselves a real good day. Welcome back yet again. So, what a consistently well-produced podcast that's on time all the time. Thank God for for yeah. for me and my co-host. Who's me? My name's Kelly. Who's my co-host? Stacia, co-host number one, say hello. Hello. Daniel, co-host number two, say hello. You know, there are quite a few American beers that are highly underrated. This, unfortunately, is not one of them. Aw. Which is rude. because Rain- fired at Rainier. No, Rainier's fine. It is fine. I wasn't going to buy a bad beer for this bit because we're on audio. Right. <laughs> it's important. It's very important. Know. Yes. What are we here to talk about? We're here to talk about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, specifically. Season 5, Episode 7, Fourth for Love, which originally aired on November 14th of the year 2000, written by none other than Douglas Petrie. 8 of 17 for the series for him. The last one was No Place Like Home, so just a couple ago. And the next one will be Checkpoint, one of my faves, uh, directed by Nick Mark, who I thought was this was his first one, but no, Something Blue was his first one. So this is Crazy. 2 of 7 for the series for him. Uh, and the next one will also be Checkpoint with Doug again. So, uh, really? And he also does another wonderful directorial, fun stuff, episode conversations with dead people. So they clearly bring this guy in to do some heavy lifting sometimes. Was he his best man at Doug's wedding? Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Can't confirm. Uh, what, uh, what happened in this episode? Buffy got staked with her own stake by just a reg's normsy core vampire. What? What? Uh, and that sends her into a little bit of a tailspin about her own mortality and the expiration date of the Slayer and how she could possibly avoid that. And who better to ask those questions to than the not-quite-a-man who killed two of them, Spike. And it's a great little tale. That's about it. Then he decides he wants to kill Buffy because he's mad because she hurt her feelings and then they have a cute moment on the porch because Buffy's sad. She found out that Joyce is really sick. We knew, but, but it's reals, I guess. Hopefully she doesn't die. Anyway, here's some fun stuff. Riley's little hand signal, his choo-choo. What's with the hand move? You see that? Does that, like, mean something? It's code. I, I think it breaks down to choo-choo. Mm. Means double time or hurry up. Nice. Or choo-choo, which is much cuter. Uh, Tim Minear, who directed... So this is a two-parter episode, basically. Um, this episode comes directly before... The Angel episode, Darla. I mean, mm. they always aired one before the other because that's what the time slots was. But this was actually a crossover event, if you will, in that the flashbacks are shared. So right. the episode, Darla, go figure, is about Darla comes back to life 
and mm-hmm. Wolfram and Hart, the evil law firm and da- and, and Darla, an angel, <laughs> brought her back to life and she's a human. She's not handling it very well. Right. And it's causing Angel to have all kinds of feelings, including many flashbacks with terrible accents. And if you love Angel's wig and terrible oh. accent and Buffy, oh. well, have I got a show for you. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the crossover is obviously the Boxer Rebellion scene and uh, the London 1880 yeah. scene. So Tim Minear actually wrote and directed that episode of Angel. So he did the big Boxer Rebellion scene specifically. Um, mm. He did all that. So... Nick Mark did not direct that part. Apparently, Doug Petrie had a really short amount of time to write this episode for some reason. Um, so he... Because he blew it off for a long time. Because yeah. he had better things to do, like being married. Like married. Oh. Whatever. So in order to help him stay awake to just like do a cramming right session, uh, James Marshers gave him a case of Red Bull, Red Bull that had been gifted to him by a fan. So this is like the early days of Red Bull. <laughs> yeah, it must have been. And also, he... Of Doug apparently went to Joss Whedon and was like, hey, what do you do when you need to write all night and you're staying at the, you know, the offices and stuff? Like, I need to sleep. Where, where should I crash? And he's like, go to the set. Oh. Sleep in one of the beds because they're really nice. And apparently he slept in Joyce's bed while he was trying to finish writing this episode. And I'm like, it's so funny. Go home. <laughs> Use your laptop. I mean, if what it, do you do? <laughs> I mean, come on. Laptops back then were the size no, of no, this I guy's know. antlers. Okay, but honestly, if you could sleep on the film set of a famous TV show, why would you not? Yeah. He was like, I went in, he was like, it was very Goldilocks. I went to yeah. Sandra's bed, but it wasn't right. And then <laughs> it, was, it, wasn't Buffy's, it felt too like fanboy creepy. Right. And then, so I was like, ah, Joyce's bed. Perfect. That's 100% what I would have done as well. Yeah. If you had asked me, I would have said Joyce's. In the episode End of Days in season seven, Spike says, well, in, in this episode of Full for Love, he says, that was the best night of my life when he mm-hmm. kills the Slayer in the Boxer Rebellion. Um, and then in End of Days, he says that this was the best night of my life, talking about him and Buffy cuddling. Just the, when she gets kicked out of the house when they oust her. Uh, a, what's it called? When, not a mirage. Coup? Coup, but there's a specific word I'm thinking of. It's like military. Mutiny. Mutiny. When there's a mutiny at the Slayer house and Buffy gets kicked out. Uh, she, her and Spike just cuddle in bed all night. Just sleep. And he said it was the best night of his life. Better than killing the Slayer in the box for Rebellion, apparently. I don't think he was being real. I, I, think, I think he was. He's very like into her. I know, but come on. Have some perspective, my guy. And I don't know if this counts, because we all know the real last appearance of Darla was in the episode Angel. But this is the last appearance of Darla on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And it's only flashbacks, so I don't know if it counts. But Let's see her. Well, she just gets killed, right? She just gets killed in Buffy. Yeah, in okay, the episode yeah. Angel. That's right. Yeah. She that was confusing. It's confusing now to say Angel, mm-hmm. because you could mean it's, the character, the, the series, show, yeah. or the episode. The episode, mm-hmm. yeah. Thanks. But the last really prominent appearance of a gun. I mean, you can only think of a few, Jonathan, this episode, and fucking Darla pulling out the gun. Dramatically, I know. There was a time when we shared everything, wasn't there, Angelus? You had a chance to come home, to rule with me in the master's court for a thousand years, but you threw that away because of her. You love someone who hates us. You're sick, and you'll always be sick. And you'll always remember what it was like to watch her die. Like, I mean, of the most iconic gun moments in the show, she's got one of them. Uh, I would say there's a little, one more kind of iconic. uh, Okay, we're going to throw the bazooka or something. Tara getting murdered by a straight bullet. I was thinking about that cop when they take the (laughs) Tara test. (laughs) 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, the, the lady cop. Yeah, the yeah. lady cop. That's great, great. Everyone else goes to that first. That's nice. Buffy okay, Tara hasn't happened yet, so I'm talking about, like, everything that's <laughs> happened so far. Right. That is not on my mind. Iconic gun moments. I think Darla still has the most iconic. I mean, it's just hilarious. True. It's just really, really funny. It's a different show is what it was. That's why, honestly, Spike, it's so funny that he has a shotgun and then just, like, Buffy is unfazed. That's what I, I, wrote, I love literally, it. the word unfazed. <laughs> just Buffy's just... Yeah. Which I, MVP. what is going on? The show is so weird. Uh, I do want to know right off the bat, Stacia, what do you, how do you feel about this episode? Um, it's fine. It's a fun episode. Uh, I think I liked it a lot more the first couple time times I watched it, and now I feel kind of neutral about it. Because the first time you watch it, you feel really smart because you're like, oh, that's how he got his scar above his eyebrow, and that's where his coat came from, and that's blah blah. blah. And now you're just like, yeah, I know. <laughs> that's fair like so much about Spike is revealed in this episode that it's really satisfying the first time and now when you know all of that you're just like okay there's maybe a better way to do this well because now you, you're you in the position or the seat where you can be like oh so they had to retcon that because that didn't make sense and like we the angel being the sire wasn't true and the how old he is isn't true and all that kind of stuff which that like I don't know you don't really at least I don't. The first time around, you don't really pay attention to that kind of stuff. You're just like, yeah. this is all fun and new. And, and now you're just like, geez, show. Get it, get it together. Yeah, it's hard to go back and like even think about how they could have even done it differently. It's It just becomes such a part of your entire existence watching the show that it's like I you wouldn't want it any other way. Like I don't want any more like them going through pains of like explaining it. Like one great episode of them doing it, especially with how good he is and Sarah Michelle Keller is. Like this is a great example of like, here's a lot of exposition, but then they're so good that they they really make this episode like even the stuff we already know, like this the jacket, all the stuff, you know, to you know what you're looking for. Um, it's easy to ignore when they're just so good. And the first watch is fun because you really feel like you're learning a lot of stuff. But then it's really this was great. Like I, I didn't even care about the jacket and all that stuff. It's like those two in the alley was just an amazing scene. I loved watching it. Yeah, this was this was absolutely great. So you liked it? I did. I, <laughs> I, I thought it was cool. Just I, I love conceptually the idea of it. Just like I want to know about what happens when the Slayers die. Why is it that just Slayers just die and then we don't know anything more? That's a great question. And if we're going off, you know, the restless, you know, I, what is the first Slayer thing? I think it's really cool to be like, I'm constantly questioning all of this past lore. And it's cool to just get it in drips like this. It's a great question. What happens when we die? And I don't think Giles has a very satisfactory answer for her. The problem is, after a final battle, that, uh, it's difficult to get any, um, well, the, the, the Slayer's not... She's rather, um... It's okay to use the D-word, Giles. Dead. And hence not very forthcoming. Well, why didn't the Watchers keep fuller accounts of it? The journals just stop. I suppose if they're anything like me, they just... find the whole subject too, uh... Unseemly? Damn. Love you, but you Watchers are such prigs sometimes. Painful, I was gonna say. I, it was great. It's a great question. And to have someone like Spike, like that's a once in a millennium chance, right? Like how many slayers have gotten to talk to a vampire because of a chip, because of a, a curse, you know, whatever it might be. Like how many times does a slayer get to do it? And because she's different with her friends, there maybe has never been a slayer or a once in a millennium slayer, right? That actually 
has friends and the ability to like look outside of themselves instead of being a killing machine, right? So how many slayers have gotten to know as much as Buffy Summers got to learn this night? The question isn't how'd I win. The question is why'd they lose? What's the difference? There's a big difference, love. Amazing. Okay, just uh, to be the freaking broken record about season <laughs> one and yes. season two, Buffy's acting as if she has no firsthand knowledge of how a Slayer dies when she has seen Kendra die and she herself has died. And she doesn't even consider, well, why did I die that time? Why did Kendra die? Like, those were different. You know what I mean? True. So for her to be like, oh, I don't we know anything. And I'm like, but you already do. And I think that's part of why this episode now like bugs me. Because like the first time I watched it, I wasn't thinking about that. And now I'm just like, but you already know. And of course, you're only getting Spike's perspective about what happened. Right. Which isn't going to be reliable. Yeah. And I don't know. I found him in this watching really insufferable, actually. Which mm. he's never bothered me in this episode before. But this time I was just like... Genuinely you're forgot so Buffy cool. died. Not even a thought. I think you're didn't, so cool. Didn't cross my mind even once Fucking that she already died. It didn't cross her mind either. No, no. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it goes to show that the show really just was like, do not pay attention to that. Because yeah. we really need this one to land when we hit it in, at the end of this season. Yeah. Don't think about that one before. In my head, it was less about like the you know that sort of instance, but more like, what are the forces at play? What are the moves done like you know i guess with the master it's one thing but yeah i mean to have a collection of knowledge would be invaluable Mm -hmm. right i mean what i wrote down basically with giles is like i get that him like feeling pain or whatever but in my head the council is such bullshit because i feel like every watcher should immediately become mr detective the moment your slayer dies you're the rest of your life should not be like i'm off or like now i've become a head councilman or something like no all you do now is investigate why your fucking Slayer died. Like, you're going to hold this torch forever so that whoever's after you, you're going to be the foremost authority on the last Slayer killed. And we're going to know everything about what happened here down to the minute details. And it's wild because I feel like the council doesn't give a fuck. The moment that one of a Slayer dies, another one's born, wash your hands. And they just walk away. Like, and they're just gone. They're so ineffectual. Like, what's the point of any of it? And maybe that's the thing. After thousands of years, it just doesn't matter anymore. And Buffy's coming up against just a lot of fucking, like, people who were bored and didn't give a shit, right? But, yeah. I mean, you could figure this out if you really wanted to. But, I mean, the death of a Slayer is so mundane in a way yeah. because it happens over and over and over again and it's expected. True. Like, that's how she dies. She's not going to die from cancer at 50 or an aneurysm or whatever. Like, she's going to die fighting. Yeah. And I think Spike really summed it up, which is, like, it doesn't matter how many of us you kill. It just takes one bad day for mm-hmm. you. And, like, that's the story of every Slayer is they had their one bad day. Right. And that's every Slayer's, like, end. And maybe that's what the council, in the end, sort of realized. It's just, yeah. like, there is no... All this data we've collected, in the end, means nothing because this was the greatest Slayer ever lived. And, yeah, one slip up. One explosion outside, right? And that's why Spike was able to regain the advantage. Like, mm-hmm. You can't account for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a good point. Maybe it's futile to even go through that. But I, I just feel like the council would hammer that home. 
it's futile to do this. It's futile to wonder, right? Giles should maybe say Does that. Does the council do anything? No, now? I know, I know. But that, that's why it's just like so stupid because the council coming to that conclusion is great, but I, they haven't come to that conclusion. Like they just never did the work. Like yeah. I think in this world, they never thought about anything or any force at play that could possibly help a slayer. Because I think you're right. It doesn't matter, right? If you're going to go up against a vampire, that's going to kill you. They're going to kill you. Yeah, but I also think that you're right. That maybe Joss doesn't have the answer. I, we do have the yeah. Tales of the Slayer and stuff, like the little compendium series. We, it's just like an anthology series of each tale of the Slayer, right? Like just Slayers oh. throughout history. Uh, and then it's a lot of writing to do for kind of a throwaway line in an episode that's just about Spike, right? So I, I think that it behooves the writers not have written not having written the mythology out so like flush it out so much to the yeah. point where we could call on what exactly happened in these slayers. Um, yeah, I definitely don't want that in a, in a real world sense. It it's makes it easier for them to write the show. If we don't, we just like, and then we don't know. They yeah. just, uh, they decide, which is, is also true. Right. Like I think Giles saying that like, it's too, it's all too grim and yeah. we just don't want to do it. It's about the par of the council. Yeah, they they like yeah, fuck it. It just we don't we don't care. Who cares? The next one's coming. Who cares? That's not our priority. Our priority is to make sure that someone is there killing demons. When they die, they die. Okay, but also Giles said there's no one left to tell the tale. Like generally, the Watchers don't seem like they go out and fight with the Slayer. The Slayer dies, and she doesn't have anyone else around her. Yeah. Then who knows how she died? Right. Except that she did. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that and that's kind of what he's getting at. Like usually they're in a. a location by themselves the watchers mm-hmm. not there taking notes like i totally understand that. that's why i'm saying they should become detectives. I, and I think that's that's true yeah I, why wouldn't they become consumed with that and i feel like giles especially i, I agree i think that there's some level but that's where i'm just going to blame institutional fatigue on the council right like if they ever were like that i get why they're not now they're a, decra- they're a decaying decrepit organization that doesn't is ineffectual basically so if that's the, the way it is then yeah giles can go and howl at the moon all he wants about Buffy dying at the end of season one, but like they wouldn't give a fuck. Like they would just be like, well, New Slayer, fucking whatever. I mean, that's my, that's my take. And on if they Baron. were actually worth anything, they would be incredibly invested in Buffy because she lived. Like she died and then lived. Kelly, no. Why would they care about that? Because yeah, why, isn't that no. cool to know? Like, <laughs> well, why would they care? And that, they and, don't and care. And because the there was a fucking divergence in the Slayer line. There are two Slayers alive for Not maybe the really. first time in history. Because she, her line doesn't go anywhere. She's still the end of that line. But there's two Slayers. We just care more about there being two Slayers. There's just... The council council couldn't care less. I know three years too late Absolutely uninterested. We should care more. Oh, my God. Absolutely. They absolutely should care a whole fuck of a lot. But they have no ability to do that or give a shit. Because they're... And I think they're supposed to be... Stacia, did you know Buffy died? I know. That's what I want to say, too. They don't agree with your take that Buffy died. Because you know what? I don't think about that a lot. I don't think Buffy died. As far as I remember, I don't think Buffy died. I think Buffy's still alive. Buffy's alive. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember. Um, I wish I remembered. I just need a reminder yeah. every time I watch this show. Oh, we like, have a living Buffy, reminder. I know, but it's always after the word, after the fact. <laughs> okay. right? like, I need to be whispering in your ear yes. as you're watching it. Like, I just need to fl- put one. <laughs> I need to put one frame in each one of these that just says Buffy died every episode. <laughs> so I just be like, oh, yeah, Buffy. Oh, Buffy is, she's back from the dead. I don't take orders. I do things my way. No wonder you died. Let's go. It's so much easier in season six because it's all over the place, right? Because that's like the whole plot. Right. But then I feel like we're going to be (laughs) – season six is going to be like, she's already gone through this before. (laughs) 
And I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, you're right. She died in season one. Wow. Holy moly. No, I'm going to be real better. I'm going to be like, remember uh-huh. how they didn't uh-huh. give a fuck that she died in season one? Guess what? Nothing's changed. <laughs> and Kelly and I are going to be la, la, la. She's, it's so sad. She's dead for the first time. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, thank you for asking. I did like this episode. I yes. was going to ask that. <laughs> Please elaborate. Uh, I just, I don't know. We're going to gonna talk all about it, but just to gush for a second. I think that the train car scene, the subway scene, is one of the best three minutes uh, of TV, period. Just, like, yeah. directing-wise, like, the cuts back and forth. The, just the angle, like, having James Marshall's look directly into the camera and just, like, while, she, like, he's, Nikki's struggling beneath him and he's just, like, casually... And he looks super hot. I mean, you can't stop it. He's got all the, the eye makeup and the muscles and the safety pins and the blonde hair. It's just, I mean. He really embraced it. He, he really did. embraced. He really did. So it's just fantastic. It's just a fantastic scene. And I think that it's, I think Petrie did a great job from the onset. Like, not only is all the Spike stuff really fun, but. I think yeah, watching it again, like we do, we know, and it's it's not super exciting. Yeah. But what is always eternally going to be cool about uh, the show and and these characters is like, she her job is dangerous. She could die at any moment. Every day she goes out and she can die, and I think that it's easy to forget because she usually wins. Like a vampire, she's like, but Petrie like he did the commentaries for this episode, but that's why I'm like kind of. Why do I know so much about Dean? <laughs> Petrie's thoughts about this episode. Um, he wanted to make the point that shes it's not always a given that she's going to win and that her job is intrinsically dangerous and that vampires are tough. And yeah. like just to kind of reiterate that after we've gone a long time with it just being like, oh, yeah, we do our cold open, but because of vampire, no big deal to be taken out almost by one. This just Well, when she got stabbed, I, I thought it was going to be like a dream. You know, I think yeah, that's yeah. the first Yeah, yeah, because it's thought. so jarring because yeah. you just do not expect it. Nope. And I think it's great after five years still trying to surprise people. And yeah. it's like, oh, shit. So, I was yeah, like, surprised. Wow, yeah. To, no pun intended, give stakes back to what Buffy hey. does every day, you know? So tell me about the bad guy, or guys. What do you think they were? Vampire. How many? One. So what, he was like a super vampire or something? No, he was the regular kind. He just beat me. So, anyway, um, I know we usually break up our episodes here with a big chunk of yelling at the end, but um, it's tough to do sometimes with episodes that are really good. So I think that we should just kind of go through the episode beat by beat and yell at will. Yeah. All right. So yeah, our opening scene in the graveyard. Uh, Petrie kept calling that guy 80s rocker guy, like Bro. Van Halen guy. I'm like, he is very clearly a punk. Like, Yeah, he's sev- 70, straight Joey out of the Remote, 70s. That's Joey Remote. Big like, hair, yeah. punk jacket. I, I kind of look like a thriller. Oh, I yeah. mean, 70, that was 76. Yeah. Thriller fucking zombie. Like, that's what I thought. I was like, totally. oh, this is all they're doing. He kept calling Van Halen. And I was like, that is so not the mark. Also, why is Van Halen happening in 2000? Why is this thing got... Did he die with that big hair? Well, yeah, yeah. I think we're supposed to believe that On... he's from the 70s. Bull... Wait, what? No, no, like he was killed in the 70s and he never had his fashion move forward. Well, that, we've made jokes about that multiple times. We're about to identify vampires based upon their dated... Yeah, I know, attire. but how? How does he come back after that long? How does he back? Be... What do you mean come back? Become a... He's a vampire who's just been in the ground since the 70s? No, no, he's been around. Just oh, he... yes. I thought he came out of the ground. No, 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 no. Sure? Okay. Yes. 
No, he didn't come out of the ground. He didn't come out. Of the no. Oh, okay. So he's just there. Oh, okay. I thought he came out of the ground. I was like, oh, did oh, this person thought, oh, die okay. like yesterday? It does kind of seem like she's saying that. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, I who even knows? I'm sorry, so confused. I'm so sorry. Hate it. English. Well, no, I thought he came from the ground. Uh-uh. And I was like, this guy looks out of a different time. Right. Why is he living in Sunnydale like this? Did he die because of his dress? I want to know more. <laughs> Someone attacked him because he was dressed like he was from the 70s. And that person was convinced he was a time traveler and decided to end his life before we could have a problem with the space time. Yes. I that's what I thought. Yeah. But okay. So you're saying he's been around. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All, right, just, all right. That's fine. But it, yeah. I mean, we do open on that often with him coming out of the grave. Yeah. I just so, assumed. Fair but... dues. No, that's not what happened. Anyway. Okay. Not Van Halen. Was the only point I needed to make. He's wearing a class clash shirt. He's not. No. It's not. Doug Petrie doesn't know anything about no. any of this stuff. No, he so. doesn't. Mm-hmm. But her getting staked, she mentions to Riley, didn't hit any major organs. There's no way that didn't hit her intestines at least. Flesh wound. Flesh wound. Ever heard of it? Look, you stupid bastard. You've got no arms left. Yes, I have. Look. It's just a flesh wound. There's no way. There Which could re- be a spot. Yeah, she's fine. Like, you know. Also healing, she's a superhero. Let's never forget the superhero. Well, I asked part. this of Stacia. Like, she definitely got sepsis from this, right? So, does Slayer healing yeah. prevent bacterial infections yeah. too? Obviously. Why not? Because how? Magic. Go talk to Ben about this. Don't talk to us. Oh, here's a question. So, Buffy gets banged up all the time. I mean, we just had the fight with Gloria. She got her ass kicked and everything. She doesn't get stabbed too often. But like, why was it? Because it was a stake, or maybe you don't agree? Question one. Do you think this was a pretty brutal injury? No, I just think it sucks. Yeah. I think do you think fine. this is more brutal than anything else? She like. Do you think that this is markedly more dramatic or intense than any? Like most recently, being beat up by Glory. The show wants us to think so. Yeah. yeah. But does it feel like that to you? Do you think that? No? I mean, she looks in pain. I mean, there's blood. We don't see blood often. That's yeah. Fair. I mean, she got thrown up against concrete pillars, and there, not even a drop of blood. She's fine. It just seems really intense to me for some reason. I mean, and yeah. I think you're right. I mean, she it, wants us to think that. But so. it did. It, Good like, job, Cheryl. Zoomed in on the stake going into her body. Like, it wants us to know. I just could. This is what Faith always wanted. <laughs> just stab Buffy right in the torso of the stake. Yeah. yeah. Never That's got true. to do it. So all the Faith fans out there are just like, yeah, party on. As a Faith fan, I'm offended and they're wrong. Okay. It just seemed, and I couldn't figure out why. Maybe because it was a stake specifically, which is also a pretty cool move. Apparently, that was Joss's idea to have her stake with her own stake. But I'm like, what an idea! Who else would be carrying stakes? I don't think vampires carry stakes around with them. Also, of course, not it would be a great stake. idea. It's, <laughs> it's come on. Uh, so Buffy apparently passes out, and then we go to her bedroom, and Riley's, you know, patching her up because she makes a joke about, I can't believe I passed out. That's how I know she passed out. <laughs> and we get Joyce coming in hot with the grocery list. Um, do you think she should have noticed that her daughter was injured and that uh-huh. there was like accoutrement sooner? Yep. Um. No, Riley is secret agent, man. He was being he was very good. stealthy. He was good about mm-hmm. moving. He was, and, he, and keeping the small talk. Joyce is all about the, I don't let strange men into my home, but I will absolutely talk the shit out of their ears. Yes, he, <laughs> she loved it. She loves any attention from Riley, any man, really. Just... Give it, give it to me. How you feeling? I'm fine. Bordering on shipper and uh, tomorrow planning on being obnoxious. Tense is the grocery list that she's got to have a discussion about. No. It. Shouldn't she just be like, Buffy, do you want anything from the store? No? Okay. I'm going to do whatever I want because I'm going to hit the and I buy the groceries. Bye. <laughs> it just seems really weird that she has to I mean, that's it in. maybe a good mom thing. I, I don't, don't know. I don't know. I don't know. 
I never um, thought you'd really think about that. It, well, it's a it's a burning question for me because it just weirded me out. This is a burning question for you. I just don't know why. Yeah, the Tito's chips, you know, amazing, delicious. I love Willow crunching on them like a big weirdo. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, She seemed high or incredibly relaxed. I don't know what's going on there. Probably got into Tara Stash. Where's Tara? Uh, Number two. After a huge family episode. (laughs) I feel like we filmed this before on a different night. That's why she's not in the credits. She doesn't have to show up. No, I... This episode could have been 42 minutes of just Spike and Buffy, but because we have to contractually get them all in, we had to have our tiny, tiny B story about the Scoobies going out. I mean, I guess it is true. You're you're right. I, well, I don't know. This is the Lost thing. Like, Lost paid for people in the credits, like, so that you wouldn't spoil them the way that TV shows here spoil them. Right. But I, I think if you're in the credits, you just get paid. You don't have to show up. Just because you're in the credit doesn't mean you have to show up at hmm. all. But um, they should have... Done that here. But if you're not in it, then that's a problem. Should they have? Would you have not liked it if it was a bottle episode between the two of them? Oh, I would have loved it if it was a bottle episode between the two of them. But they should have. Uh, if they st- if they had a bottle episode, I think at this point, the main character, was, they'd still have the theme song role as normal. Like, they're still credited to the episode. Yeah. Like, that's why, you know, Xander was in this many, but he's credited to every episode. Because mm-hmm. he's in the show. Yeah. Yeah. So... But like, what what would you take out? Them munching on the chips and Riley killing the vampire? All of it, yeah. But if Riley doesn't save her, then she just walks away, and then she doesn't talk to Giles about the Slayer. She just goes straight to Spike bleeding, and (laughs) (laughs) like, what exactly does that episode look like? How would you? Or goes to Giles bleeding, and Giles. I mean, you would have to put Giles. I know, I know. I think the only caveat here would be Giles would have to be inserted because she does need that push. The little push. But I think if she got stabbed in the graveyard and went to Giles and Giles fixed her up and then they talked, I mean, oh, basically yeah. cut all that shit out. Yeah. And then they just kind of are talking and like, I need to figure out what's going on. And yeah. then it's like, I need to go talk to Spike. Spike. Yeah. No more. Yeah. Then we're not blowing shit up and we're not fucking out. everything with Riley was insufferable. Oh, my God. Except for our friends. Like, honestly, they were great. Hilarious. Doug Petrie has it so bad for Mark Lucas. It's like unhealthy. It's like, oh, wow, Mark looks great in this scene. Oh, wow, Riley's really taking a dark turn. Oh, man, he just looks, he's such a good guy. He's such a good boyfriend. He, like, got his girlfriend's steak back for her. I was <laughs> like, not, no shred of sarcasm, just, like, really, really into Mark Lucas. I, he got clearance to blow up something, and that's why that happened. Oh, what do you mean, like, Doug Petrie? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He was like, Josh, can I blow up something? It's like, he kept calling right. it like, this is where he, he goes, to, like, this is his dark turn. And I was like, he's just being reckless. I don't think he's being like dark. He's no. just being an idiot. He's going after vampires with no help at all. But he also in the killed of, them all. Isn't yeah, that good? I mean, That's that good. It's good, but like, I don't, he could have very much not, he could have really died. And Buffy would have been really mad. I don't know. It does kind of feel like this is when he tries to be like, I'm no longer the mission's boyfriend. Yeah. Like, I'm taking care of the situation. I don't need Buffy. Yeah, oh, very much. Yeah, and he told everyone, I guess, everyone to go home, and then he came back, right? So, yeah, well, because mm-hmm. he said he was going to come back in the, in the morning. morning. Daytime would have been yeah. safer. Why don't, just, why don't they just But that's, the see, daytime? that's why he's being so dark. He doesn't care. Fuck the rules. <laughs> I'm Riley Finn. He's an anarchist. <laughs> oh, I never forget. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, sir. I'm an anarchist. Uh, anyway, I think they're super cute in the graveyard, all of our friends. But, yeah, yes. The bronze. Do you remember the bronze? I, I recall it. They still have the birdcage chair, which is awesome because I love mm, that chair. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that it's is. It's so good. Put it in the video. 
Darla, speaking of, sits in that chair. That's one of the like the first. Oh yeah. Kind of, she turns around. She's uh-huh. in the birdcage chair, right? Come on. Spike ordering chicken wings again. We get a, a weird gotcha. thing with vampires where it does he doesn't need to eat clearly, but he just likes to. And what happens digestorally to them when they eat food that isn't blood? We'll never know because it doesn't matter. Probably don't want to know. No. But we get to hear Spike saying how awesome he was and how he became a vampire immediately cut to him being a I've giant always been bad. <laughs> yeah. Which would be cute and fun except he's the one narrating the story so why would he make himself a giant weeb? Yeah, I mean this is a great this is a great point. See, here. this it's, is why this it's is the TV so rough. portion of it that you just have to Well, and I think it's fun too. It's such a it's really off-putting because this is not the story he would tell Buffy. No. But it's the story we as the audience need to know because right. yeah. it's going to fill us in on stuff. So it is interesting to think about what he's actually telling Buffy, especially because at the end he is literally telling Buffy in real time right, word for word, the word story. Sure. Right. Yeah. But I think so for this I wonder, one we're taking a little liberty just oh, to show the yeah. audience. Like I think he started the story with my beauty or your beauty effulgent. I think he so, starts it with, with Julia Lando, Drusilla, uh, in, in the alley. I think right, that's where we started the right. story. Or he's vamping this up. Like He could even be like, oh, I was a certain yeah. person and fancy, Mr. Fancy Pants. I mean, I don't know how well that plays into like any perception that he used to be this way and now he's all bad. Like, I mean, I guess if he says I was always bad, then maybe this part wouldn't be known to Buffy. But I do want to know more about Spike, honestly. Just like, what, what is this? Yeah. London. Like he's got some money. He didn't want his wallet taken with the pickpocketers. And I forgot that we don't find out that he kills his mom in this episode. I kept waiting for that to happen. No, yeah, that's we don't find out season seven. So yeah, I, because I'm not as super familiar with season seven, the the episode of lies my parents told me I think is the one. So after this, What's like that or after him? Drew turns him, he goes to kill his mom. He goes he, to sire his mom. He's oh, and he does, and she's Whoa. vicious. Yeah, Whoa. she's romaine. Yeah, she and the, and incesty wants to have sex. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But she is basically just like you're a whiny, namby pamby boy, and I've never liked you. Oh. <laughs> I kind of recall but this a you, little bit. She says something really fucked up, like you've wanted to crawl back inside me since I spit you yeah. out. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. I know. That's why it's going to be cool to. <laughs> that's why it's so interesting to watch Buffy. Well, that <laughs> also that shape. I mean, we do skip from fucking Spike. Like we get we get this. We get basically like a year later when he's got the gang and then we go 20 years in the future. So we don't get any of those like pivotal moments where he does change. I mean, when he's fighting Angel in the sewer or whatever, when they're running, like he has changed at this point. And we don't really see why. But God, the mom thing would be crazy. I assume they kill the mom. He does. Yeah, I assume that. So like that's probably a huge moment. Yeah. I don't think anybody knows that she's been turned except him yeah i I don't think he tells anybody drew might might i want to say drew might know and she was kind of like why did you do that like we're not taking your mom with us (laughs) oh yeah she yeah there is a scene and she was like ew he's like mother we could take mother (laughs) (laughs) yeah i love it yeah i love it uh so petrie broke it down as to like you know our our beats with spike is we get we get him what is it he says like the accent the eyebrow the something something Uh, the accent is different too yeah the accent yeah, yeah the accent the eyebrow the hair the coat okay yeah, so this is this is the accent, right? So we start with his little poet guy, which Kelly Roca, who plays Cecily, will also play mm. Halfrack. Mm-hmm. Uh, Petrie did comment on that because we had always wondered, or I, I'm pretty sure we had this conversation. I had always wondered, like, what the timeline was. Was she Halfrack at this point? And this, mm. she's doing a bit, right? Like she's mm. trapping people oh. in the house to do some demony shit, or has she not been turned yet? Uh, the only clue we really had to the timeline, because Petrie says. Yeah, that we as the writers sure don't know. So, 
Good. Think sense. about whatever you want. But he did confirm that they are the same person. Because cool. apparently, until that point, like, they didn't know. Yeah. Like, she didn't know he was a vampire. He didn't know she was a vengeance demon. Yeah. Oh. And they have this, like, weird meeting where they're like, is that... <laughs> And I think because... that beneath me nerd? (laughs) (laughs) Not only have we reused actors and actresses before on the show, but they've whole but admitted very, very many times that they don't know what the fuck's going on. So I don't think they had the plan for her to be Halfrek at any point before. They just liked her. I I doubt it. I feel like she's probably human in this. Um, Also, she's... Her, her, because we set up this thing that Anya's whole vengeance thing is I hate men. Halfrek's whole vengeance thing is I protect children, and there aren't any children here. And I suspect that mm-hmm. if she was doing a vengeancey thing, there would be children right. or a child that she was, you know. Yeah, and yeah. we in selfless, selfless, we get a scene, a flashback with her and Anya, and it's in 1905. So oh, that would wow. be 25 years where she could have become a vengeancey. So yeah. I think I would say that she can't canonically is human right here. Yeah, okay, yeah. that makes sense. I know this is like a, such a small bit, but I just no, that's so cool. What the heck? It is That's Halfrek. What the heck? I know. Oh my gosh. It's the Halfrek watch. No. No. But we, we could didn't... start a Halfrek watch. Oh yeah, Halfrek watch. I mean, would this <laughs> <happen>? <laughs> Yes. We did it, yes. <laughs> <laughs> London 1880 within a year, because we when we flash back to this again after, you know, Drusilla uh, biting Spike, he's changed the accent and everything like that. Yeah. I mean, the mom thing could have made him traumatic, but I think he just wanted to be cool. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think he just put on, like, the people do that. Mm-hmm. Throw on the Cogni accent, and I'm just going to reinvent myself. Look I think at how he, afraid my coat is. He seemed like he was very, he's naive. You know, I let the police deal with all matter. Like, I just think that there's a whole world out there. He knows that there's a underworld, if you will, uh, and scary stuff going on, Jack the Ripper killing people, whatever. It's like, yeah, when you become a vampire, I'm sure it's like, I'm going to get into that world. Let's go. And he did seem, I mean, obviously with the Drusilla conversation, you know, you want this sort of thing, this life that you've always dreamed of, but... You walk in worlds the others can't begin to imagine. Yes. Uh, I mean, no. I mean, uh, mother's expecting me. I see what you want. Something glowing and glistening. Something effulgent. Do you want it? Oh, yes. Yes. It was great to see Drusilla again. Fantastic. Yeah. She is so fun in this. So good. So good. I miss her. But yeah. she'll be in an episode this season for real. So That's fun. excellent. I don't I'm, the South America thing, I totally you forgot You also get a fun little storyline with her and Darla and Angel. Yeah, uh, because Drusilla is going to Angel update. Angel pre-update. It's time for an Angel update. Perfect. Now we don't have to make any other music. Darla is alive in Los Angeles right now as a human. Right. Uh, when she died, she had syphilis, I think. Mm-hmm. Something was killing her. She was on her deathbed and the master came in. It was really cool. She was a prostitute. Whoa. To see the Back in the oh, olden times. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Okay. I yeah, forgot so this. He, she, it's 1607 in the Virginia colonies is gotcha. when she mm-hmm. dies and is sired by the master. He comes in. He pretends to be a priest, but he is the master. Uh, and then him and the Order of Aurelius live underground somewhere for a hundred years and then Darla Sires 
Angel. They run off together. She leaves the master and just flees with Angel around Europe. And then, yeah. obviously, we come upon Drusilla, which we find out in season two. Um, Angel sires her, and then Drusilla sires Spike. Uh, Angel update, year 2000, Los Angeles. Darla's back. She's human. She's syphilitic. She's dying. She's like, Angel, kill me. Turn me. Do something. He's like, no, because feelings. And then Drusilla, out of nowhere, like, hey, girl. I'll kill- yeah, I'll make you a vampire. No big deal. And then they go on a little killing <laughs> spree. And then that's the rest of the season arc for uh, Angel is trying to contain Darla. So, mm-hmm. oh, And then wow. when she's like, when Drusilla's like, I'm bored. I'm going to go see Spike. And then we see her. And uh, that's how she talks. <laughs> that's exactly what she sounds like. <laughs> she goes here. Oh, uh, geez. And then, okay, so, so we have London 1880. We fast forward to uh, the Boxer Rebellion. Who yeah. knows what they were doing for 20 years? Merriment, I'm assuming. Uh, but we, what we don't know, because we didn't watch Angel, except for I watched Angel. Oh, nice. Is that two years before this, so... 1898. 1898, that's the year. <laughs> Math. Is when Angel gets, I mean, we do know this, but he gets cursed by the, the Romani. Mm. So... Oh, so he, he is not Angelus, like, Angelus in the Box Rebellion. Right, yes, okay. which is a secret. So he, the only person that knows that he's been insulted is Darla. So mm. in 1898, when he gets cursed, he disappears for like a year. He goes, because he's like, ah, I can't handle, bad things are happening. And then he shows back up in China and begs Darla, hey, look, I'm, I'm going to be bad. I'll be bad. I promise I'll be bad. Can we please, can we please just be together? And then uh, she's like, great, prove that you're bad by eating this baby. And he's like, I can't eat the baby. And runs away, <laughs> literally jumps out of a window because that's his favorite thing to do. <laughs> can't have an angel update without him jumping, this time, with a baby. He leaps out of a window while holding a baby. Good, good I stuff. love it. It's so good to be so far away from Angel. <laughs> from the show. And it's bad, guys. This, it's get this update. It's so good. Oh. I, I need to watch it with other people because it's bad. And I hate every time I watch it. It's bad. Someday, Kelly. Someday. Um, but I would love to have some context about the Boxer Rebellion because I don't know what it is. I'm assuming it's some kind of conclave of, of boxers fighting mm. each other for fun. Is conclave the word? What's conclave mean? Daniel, what's the Boxer Rebellion? The Boxer Rebellion happened in the year 1900. It was caused by Spike killing the Slayer. I'm oh, sorry. No, that wasn't it. <laughs> uh, I don't know exactly how to pronounce all this stuff, but uh, is it the... King Dynasty, the Qing Dynasty, the K, the Q, Q I N G. I don't know. Qing, Qing. I think it's. I think so too. Yeah. Uh, So this happened at the end of the Qing Dynasty. That was 1644 to 1912. So it lasted forever. Uh, The origins of the Boxer Rebellion happened with Europeans coming to China. So they showed up in the late 1700s, and they were just like, "We've got ships. We've got goods. You can't be closed." So we're going to start selling you stuff. So they did that. And it was awkward because they didn't, you know, didn't want some of the goods. They didn't want the influence. And obviously with that comes Christianity, with that comes all kinds of stuff, including disease and all that shit. Uh, So then the opium wars are pretty famous. That happened in the mid 1800s, 1840s, 1850s, uh, where opium was being sold to the people. And this caused a huge backlash from the, the Qing dynasty itself because it's not good to have your populace taking opium. So they end up... Wait, the Europeans brought the opium? I think so. Oh. They were selling the opium to them. The UK fights them and France fights them in the 1850s. Um, and that instability alone created a ton of different rebellions and different conflicts over the next 50 years. Um, everything centered around trade. 
centered around treaty rights, centered around ports especially. Um, so ports were they wanted unlimited access for the UK and whatever country to constantly come in and, and drop off everything. They wanted them safe and they wanted extraterritorial rights. So every um, if a murder happened or a crime happened, they would never be tried in the Chinese system. It would always be under UK system. So they had their own separate living conditions, governments, you know, courts, all that kind of stuff. So the counter reaction happened where the elite essentially tried to basically conform to this new power. And that caused the backlash that eventually led to the Boxer Rebellion. So there were a ton of different movements, not only elite movements where they were trying to restore certain values but make them amenable, but also people were taking on how can we be more Western? So how can we learn in their way to make things work? Um, all of this would later be undone when China and Japan went to war. Um, Japan would eventually beat Russia around the same time. So Japan was emerging as a strong power. Uh, in this time, China lost its... Um, influence on Korea, lost its influence on, on Taiwan, and the, those carry over to this day. Um, and then eventually a conservative movement comes up against a more liberal movement, and we get something called the June Incident. Two German Catholic missionaries were killed in June County. Not June. Not that June. <laughs> and I, it, I might not be in June. Uh, J-U-Y-E? Jue? I mean, who knows? Uh, so that's in Western China. However, in retaliation, the Germans took a port in northern China on the on the sea because that makes sense. But anyways, the, the concessions they got from that were, were pretty instrumental. Uh, it was called by a historian later as, quote, the opening wedge in a process of greatly intensified imperialist activity in China. And basically with that, they allowed not only more trade, more people, more goods, but more religion. And that was really the tipping point um, that led to the Boxer Rebellion. The Boxers are not Boxers. As we Not think of fight them. Em, fight em boxers. No, they ended up fighting, for sure. <laughs> fight them boxers. Rock'em, no, rock sock'em boxers. No, they advocated at first the downfall of the, of the King Dynasty if it wasn't going to um, kick out the foreigners. And it became that. It was, a, it was an anti-European, anti-white, anti-foreign um, movement um, that just wanted everyone back out, basically to go back to the 18, 1840s, you know, before everything before the opium wars and before everything really got um, westernized. Uh, and then eventually these people, the the powers that be ended up siding with the boxers. You know, the boxers had slow incremental gains where they would, you know, show up in force somewhere. And then a local principality would just say, no, they're fine. It started as a small movement and eventually it just became a cultural force. And the Imperial Guards were heavily involved in it as well. So a lot of people were boxers without you even knowing that they were. They were going about their normal jobs, but it became something that at the tip of a hat, something if something were going to happen, a lot more people than you thought were going to, were going to join. And that's basically what happened, um, that small skirmishes eventually turned into a big thing. What they're talking about here, I, I don't actually know, because there were basically two spots to the Boxer Rebellion. One were a coordinated effort to basically hit high, you know, big value targets um, and kill as many Europeans and whites and Christians as possible. And 
what we're seeing here in Buffy, though, is is these four white people standing around as Chinese are <laughs> not being attacked. Yeah. Not being attacked. So they're <laughs> running. So that so I can only think that it's not in the initial movement, but it's in the secondary push. So what happened is when word got out, there was something called the Eight Nation Alliance, where forty five thousand troops from Germany, Japan, Russia, Britain, France, the U.S., Italy and Austria, Hungary descended upon China. And when they first got there, they tried to negotiate and the boxers chose instead of they stopped everything else and they focused on that legation specifically and they went right after them. So it was a huge conflict because they went after the people who were negotiating. So you were going after high members, you know, diplomatic members of all of those countries. So those 45,000 troops just descended and fucking chaos ensued. So tons of people died. So I can only assume that this might be happening and that these four white people feel comfortable hanging out as everyone's running away because they look European, right? They're kind of supposed to be there. I don't know. Shit hit the fan uh, and they were outnumbered and they were all either killed or captured. And the conservative government and the empress who had supported the boxers turned on them, obviously, and were like, no, kill them. Just take take them, end it. And they were... uh, the eight nations uh, took the opportunity to plunder China more. Uh, and in that, um, it, it happened around Beijing. Today's Beijing, so Peking at the time, which is where all the cultural memory and all of the artifacts that are still in European museums were looted from during that period in 1900. So you can actually view a lot of China cultural history taken from this moment um, because of this event. And they were forced to sign something called the Boxer Protocol, Um, on September 7th, 1901, where concessions were paid out to the eight nations over time. And it was fully paid off. It ended up getting paid off in in total uh, around 1941. So like before World War II, they ended up paying all of the the payments, if you will. Uh, Most of it got siphoned back into China. So like the U.S. was the first one to say, we don't want your payments anymore. Put it towards building a university. Um, Italy did the same. Uh, other nations, right, you know, before World War II sort of ossified everything else. Austria-Hungary ended up going to war, obviously, with Germany, and, and, and the German reparations never were a part of it, too, because they were able, in the, um, in the Paris Agreement that ended World War I, to get those things canceled because we hate Germany, fuck Germany, and fuck Austria-Hungary. So those got canceled out because fuck them. And, and, and China was the good old team players during World War One, so uh, they got to do that. But yeah, they paid off everything. Most of it, 95% of everything that they paid ended up going towards schools and roads and funds inside of the country. So for what it's worth. But yeah, that was a Boxer Rebellion. And, and pretty much from that day, it sort of was conceded that what are you going to do? And it wasn't until Mao and the communists that really sort of turned it around. And it was basically kind of Western pro, pro-Western governments until the cultural revolution really. So, wow. Yeah. So that's the boxer rebellion. And I can only assume that they're in Beijing or Peking and they are, they, you know, all of this violence is, is being enacted by the eight nation Alliance. Um, and they feel safe in that. That's all I can assume. So I'm not sure. I can tell you where they're, they're on a set in our North of Los Angeles. <laughs> that was pre-existing. It was like a Mexican city set for some other oh, production. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so Westworld probably used it later. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or they used it for South America, for sure. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So they just set dressed it to look as much like China in Doug Petrie's words as they could. But uh, <laughs> the 
Good job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which meant put some Buddha statues somewhere. I know, put I know. Put some fucking lanterns up. Get a bunch of people that look look Asian as extras uh-huh. and make them run around. Yay. Run around. <laughs> it's China. <laughs> um, well, thank you for that. No problem. Come on. Who's the man? You are. A very short, annoying man. Uh, Spike gets his scar during the Boxer Rebellion, mm. um, which is very important. And I didn't even really catch that until I was listening mm. to the commentary that he doesn't have it. In the 1880, the London 1880 flashback, he doesn't have a little scar nice. in his eyebrow. Um, but then, obviously, she cuts his face open. Um, and I didn't even think about that, actually. But yeah. So James Marcer supposedly got that scar from being mugged in New York um, at some point in his life. Nice. But um, why does his scar stay? We've seen so many of them get injured, them being the vampires, and even Buffy, and they don't have... well. Buffy does have scars, but like Angel should be a walking scar, but all of them should be. All they do is get fucked up all the time. So why that one? Why did that one stay? The answer is too many questions because he asked because it's his real scar. Because it's his real scar. Okay, well that answered your question. Yeah. Um, and then we go to our next flashback. I mean, we have banter, banter, banter with Buffy. Great lines, monologue. It is the entire true, but that's really the whole point of the show. Like Spike sounds like Faith when he's like, "You're not turned on," but like you, you sound turned on by this. He's like, "Yeah, you're not." (laughs) I mean, that's Faith right there. That's some Faith shit. And Buffy never denied it. She didn't say no. Yeah, when we were watching it, I was like, sometimes I crave a low-fat yogurt afterwards. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) So all the Faith fans. Uh, I, the Spike yeah, thing with the one good day, good like that was just exquisite. I mean, that was my favorite. Doug Petrie, good job. That was so good. And just, just I don't know the the fucking how close he is, and then punching her in the stomach, and like no one caring, like no one reacted well, at all. They do look, they do look, and they look concerned. for a long time. I know they're all, Ooh. but no one does anything. No one does anything because the plot demands it. They hit each other. Well, again. That's because and... they're both crouching over and screaming <laughs> like, of course people are gonna look at you like what's going on yeah. this pool party is getting out of control uh no but that was great the one the one good day thing is such a just easy way to encapsulate exactly what this needs to, to convey which is you can train all your life and it doesn't fucking matter it is for how long spike's been hanging out with their friends i mean we've had like a solid season with him now season and a half because he came back to the beginning of season four um, I don't. We've definitely not had a one-on-one conversation with him this long. Like we no, never. Certainly not gotten him speaking for this long of time, ever. And I don't know that we really do going forward because when would they have the opportunity? Clearly, this is his episode, but it's which just, makes, it makes it good. So good. Makes yeah. it better that we just get a full dump from him as to what we need to know. Yeah, and he does a great fucking job in it. It's the best night of my life, and I've had some sweet ones. What are you looking at? You got off on it. Well, yeah. Suppose you're telling me you don't. (laughs) How many, my con, reckon you've done? Not enough. Mm -hmm. And we just keep coming. But you can kill a hundred, a thousand, a thousand thousand, and the armies of hell besides. And all we need is for one of us, just one sooner or later to have the thing we're all hoping for and that would be what one good day the one of the the best moments of tv ever flashing back to 1977 mid flipping like right there, they're fighting each other. Uh-huh. Buffy does oh, a little flip yes. in the air, and, and then, then lands his Nikki. Yeah. Gotta get that funk in there because oh, so good. I, per Doug Petrie, 
she's like Shaft. Thanks, dude. <sighs> but she only exists because of Doug Petrie. Apparently, like this was nice. totally his idea. He loves the idea of Nikki. He like he clearly thought about her as a character. Cool. And was, like really pushing for her to be somebody, and like she made it into some of the comics, which none of the preseason eight comics are canon. But yeah. like she's definitely had her own issues, and and uh, it's clearly now a yeah, yeah. A, a real character. Right. In the, in the canon of the show. So I would like context about 1977 New York City. Hey, what was it like? There was a subway there. Punk rock. Safety pins. Subways in the 70s were prone to breakdowns and crime. So we're already <laughs> What working. else is new? What else is new? <laughs> uh, early 1970, before we get to 77, New York, the World Trade Center opened in 1972. Uh, labor, as labor unions were actively telling tourists to not go to the city. As they were coming into New York, do not go downtown. Uh, 1975, New York City was on the verge of bankruptcy, um, and Gerald Ford famously said that he would he would veto any aid to New York City. Wow. Um, there's a famous um, newspaper article that said um, Gerald Ford to New York City colon drop dead. <laughs> it's nuts. Uh, so they eventually like yeah restructured the entire system of New York, um, and. Um, you know, basically by the 80s, they were back. They were solvent again. But yeah, basically a million people had left New York City by the, the mid-70s. Um, so their tax base was down to nothing. And it would take them 20 years after um, to, to recoup those people that they lost. But 1977, a lot of stuff happened. Annie, the musical, premiered. I always thought that was a much older show. Studio 54 opens, guys. We watched documentary about that. Nice. I don't know if you guys have heard about this, but um, like if you go to New York, you will not see helicopters flying around. And it's because of what happened in 1977. A helicopter tipped over like it landed on the, t- the helipad and it tipped over because of high winds on the Pan Am building. Pan Am is no longer a company. It's now the MetLife building, but it fell over and the blades turning killed four people instantly. So it just Shit. cut them. And then the helicopter fell off the building. <laughs> 59 stories and it killed a pedestrian below only one. oh my wow. god only one person thankfully holy shit there's no more of that it seems like they would have benefited more from like a zip line yeah zip line or <laughs> zeppelin i mean that was a, that was oh, a thing god, back yeah. in the 1900s um that they wanted to do uh new york's uh had its most famous blackout uh july 13th and 14th 1977 um which might have been why we got a lot of like the lighting going out or stuff who knows maybe they fought on that night who knows um, but it resulted in yeah widespread looting and panic, and obviously this built in more to New York as a terrible place. The son of Sam was captured. Um, New- the Yankees ended up winning the World Series, but in Game Two of the World Series, Howard Cosell, the famous broadcaster, uh, he started the broadcast by saying, "Ladies and gentlemen, the Bronx is burning." Uh, right next door to Yankee Stadium was a on fire abandoned elementary school. Which everyone was like, this is a metaphor for <laughs> everything that could go wrong in New York City. And it was an out of control, abandoned Shit. elementary Shit. school. Amazing. And this, and then at the end of it all, uh, Milton Glasser, who famous for all of his uh, advertising campaigns, the I Heart New York um, campaign began Damn. in 1977 at the end of 1977. So What a year. What a year. So that's, uh, I don't know, Spike, if he's involved in any of this or if he, you know, started the blackout or oh, he probably killed a lot of people during that night. Oh, yeah. I mean, honestly, that's like prime time. Yeah. So, and I wonder if he's seen Annie, you know, does he go to, does he go to, does he go to the plays, you know, he's a culture he man. I think he would. I think he would. He too. totally at would. Least to, at least to, you know, sort of uh, flex on some lady and fucking eat her. So. <laughs> 
Incredible. Yeah, so that's, that's 1977. Every day you wake up, it's the same bloody question that haunts you. Is today the day I die? <laughs> Death is on your heels, baby. And sooner or later, it's gonna catch you. Part of you wants it. Not only to stop the fear and uncertainty, but because you're just a little bit in love with it. Death is your art. You make it with your hands, day after day. That final gasp, that look of peace. Part of you is desperate to know what's it like. Where does it lead you? And now you see, that's the secret. Not the punch she didn't throw, or the kick she didn't land. She merely wanted it. Every slayer has a death wish. <laughs> Even you. That scene was almost not to be. They were going to have it to be on a subway platform because it, like... Yeah, how do you get a stationary set and no big train? Uh, but Gareth Davis, who was one of the producers, said, "We uh, Universal's right there, and they have uh, the monitor, like a tra tram thing. Nice. You should totally just use that. And obviously to a tremendous result. Uh. Um, I think it was an episode in season three where they, there was another DVD commentary by one of the directors who told all about how they did this with the mirrors and stuff and how it was on there's a specific name for it of course i don't remember it now basically it's just a big box on a movable uh. platform so they're just like shaking the box and they're moving um flashlights across the mirrors to make it look like it's actually traveling and it's just perfect oh, and that's how the so graffiti, good. Yeah, just yeah. like it's seamless I, I wouldn't question for a second that this wasn't well, actually what, traveling what makes it really cool for me thinking about it too is like they would have had this synced up obviously to the alleyway so it's like, I right, wonder yeah. if like someone is just like offset, almost like, here's where we are here. And then we're going to see what spiked up. Like, mm -hmm. we just almost have to like mirror the two perfectly. Like, how do you yeah. even do that? Well, it's impressive. Feature mentioned, he's like, there's, you can write whatever you want, but it's really up to the directors and the actors to pull it off. Yeah. Because like, this could have been really dumb. This could have been, anytime somebody looks in the camera, it's a big risk. And it's like, it yeah. could have ended up being really silly. And it's just not, it totally worked 100%. No. So, I wonder if in his head, it. though, he had the, 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 the best moment is when he's on top of Nikki and strangling her. And then they cut to the alley and he's basically in the prostrate begging position yeah. to Buffy. It's like, that scene is so good. I wonder, I mean, surely he must have thought about that. I just wonder for him, how much did he envision the two connecting obviously he wrote it right yeah, so he wrote it to it be done script, like that like, i'm just curious because like surely the director would take that and run with it but man that that shot of just being on top of the slayer and then being begging you know begging the slayer it's like yeah sooner or later you're gonna want it and the second the second that happens you know i'll be there i'll slip in have myself a real good day. It's eternally bugged me that he doesn't completely drain the Slayer in China and he doesn't bite Nikki at all because he makes a point to say, like, and we've heard it a million times that the Slayer's blood is like this really oh, yes. powerful, potent thing. And to just not. Of course, but Drusilla's not but there. I didn't have anybody to share that boner with. Yeah. That's true. Where is Drusilla? Where is she? 
around? She's probably wandering down an alleyway talking to trash. She's starting a fire at an elementary school. Yes, she is. Absolutely. You're right. I'm so sorry. But then Drusilla keeps the trend when she doesn't drain Kendra either. Guys, God. Again, Spike wasn't there. Yeah, true. Uh, I also think it's a flex, man. It doesn't matter at the end of the day. So I I have a question about Spike's obsession with slayers, possibly plural, or slayers, possibly singular. So, slayer, singular. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So he finds out that slayers are a thing, the boogeymen of the vampire world. Yeah, yeah, right. From Angel in 1880. Right. And then he doesn't actually kill one for another 20 years. Right. And then doesn't kill another one for another 77. It's conveniently easy math. I think it's just right there. Right. But, uh... Do you think that Spike has been hunting Slayers mm. consistently and just these are the only two that he's got? I don't think that hunting Slayers is like his like constant full-time job. Yeah. Agreed. He's got I think he's that if he's online. probably like in the general area and he hears there's a Slayer, he's going to search her out. Correct. But I don't think he's like traveling, like after he killed the Slayer in China, I don't think he was traveling to Brazil to kill the next one that popped up that he yeah. heard about or whatever. Like... It'd be really hard to find them, though. Like, no. You could argue that he was kind of passively looking the whole time. But yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. How do you know? There's well, no internet? I feel like exactly. with this, I mean, just what we learned about Peking, it's like, if that's where it's taking place in, it, you could almost think, oh, I heard there's a Slayer in China. Holy shit. We're, like, invading China right now. We were going to go to China. Let's, like, get weird? up on this ship. Yeah. Like, I mean, because you got to think for them, it's like, that's a haul, man, to get to China. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so much easier today. Get on a plane. You're fine. Um, but, like, yeah, you got to think back then fucking hard to get places so you can mm-hmm. hear rumors left and right but if you have one chance to go to china i i feel like spike if he's going to make the, the effort he's going to become obsessed and he's going to make sure he gets to the bottom of whatever he's doing i mean it's also weird because he comes to sunnydale it doesn't seem like he comes to kill buffy he's no. just like oh yeah i guess the slayer's here but then he's not like obsessed with the idea of killing her like he tries to but then he leaves again yeah. and like you know it's not this thing that he can't let go because he's like geographically nearby to a slayer you know what i mean yeah it, it might just come and go maybe he's like yeah i like the idea of doing it but once she killed too i'm sure that's pretty iconic for mm. vampires how long do they really live you know their lives are always tenuous so you kill two you live this long he's had a good life yeah and why why go for a third you know I don't well know. that's why knowing that he had met nikki before and fought her before that leans a little more to the obsessiveness of, like, no, I want to kill the Slayer. But 70 years, though. I mean, him being in New York, if you're in New York and you're in Beijing, you're in major cities. It's like, yeah, if he was in the middle of South American you know, rainforest, like, okay, he's, an, he's obsessed. Mm-mm. Like, he'll mm-hmm. find any reason to do it. But he's just in New York City. Yeah. Like, in, in a, t- t- you know, at a bad spot for New York City, this is where he likes to be. A terrible it, place. I mean, it also seems like... <laughs> He's not running from fights with the Slayer. Like, right. if Nikki's there, he's not like, we should leave New York City. He's just like, whatever. Yeah. If I run into her, same thing with Sunnydale and Buffy. He was just like, you're being, you're ruining my plans, so I want to kill you. But yeah. he's he's never been like, oh, no, we should get away. You know, because Angel, this episode makes Angel seem like such a wimp. And oh, I guess, totally. <laughs> like, we don't know that he has a soul during the Boxer Rebellion. But even before that, he's just like, why are you messing things up for us, kid? I know. Yeah. And you would think, with all the stories of Angel being, like, this, like, evil killing machine, mm-hmm. that he would seem less wimpy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And maybe that's just Spike's telling of it, but... Well, I think... That's a good question. I like that read, that he's the unreliable narrator. Yeah. That's how he sees Angel, but... Right. 
clearly he's super insecure about Angel because Angel's like the alpha of their pack and but I mean he needs to do something to it does Angel. seem interesting that I mean Spike clearly was immediately enamored with the idea of a slayer Angel's been a vampire for like a hundred years at this point or something yeah. yeah 1770 he's never killed a slayer he still hasn't killed a slayer yeah. to date I mean I know he's had his soul for most of that time right. but you know he was just like begrudgingly like I guess you are one of us now when he's heard that you know he killed a slayer in China but well you'd never killed a slayer so why are you the leader yeah yeah <laughs> am I one also, of you Darla's older than all of us Darla should be the leader yeah yeah someone wasn't worthy damn it this is so disappointing there must be something I missed. So, like, the last little flashback we get is Sunnydale, 1998. Yes. So, right after the events of Becoming Part 2. Right. When Drew and Spike leave, mm-hmm. uh, they go to, to is it just say South America? Mm-hmm. It does say. Yeah. The, the entire continent the of entire South America. Continent it's like saying of... Africa. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, somewhere in South America, we get the great uh, payoff of the throwaway joke about the chaos demon because in Lover's Walk, it's just when Spike so... comes back into town drunk, he's like, she left me for a chaos demon. Have you ever seen a chaos demon? They're all slime and antlers. And it's just like, what a fun thing. Gotta love so when the show funny. goes out of its way to be like, hey, remember that dumb joke we <laughs> And he's just disgusting. And he's holding his little beard and his little cloven hand. Like, it's so I cute. didn't know you were, you were with someone I didn't know she was with anybody named. <laughs> and even when he's... When <laughs> she walks away. It's just fantastic. It's so good. So there was a, a deleted scene, um, or the scene was longer. There was some more dialogue. So b- before we cut to where he's like, you keep bringing up the Slayer, because that's how we open the scene, right? Um, there's a whole little bit where he's like, you were shagging Angel, and you were blah, blah, blah. What was I oh, supposed right, to do? Right. So I thought it was interesting that they cut that out, and I wonder if Joss was like, you can't put that in there. Because while we kind of implied that they were fucking during season two... You can't have the little bangle shippers know for sure that Drusilla and Angel bone during that oh. time because they're going to have their little hearts broken. None of that's confirmed, but I think that that's probably why they didn't make it. It was also a little like, unnecessary. I'm sure they had to cut some of something for time, and they're like, let's get rid of that. But like, I feel like they intentionally did not have that in there. And that wasn't really the point. No. It's more just you're obsessed with Buffy. Yeah, yeah. But So why Buffy? So that's why I was asking about his obsession with the Slayers. At large. Mm-hmm. Do you think that part of his obsession is that he didn't get to kill her? If he was yes. had killed, that's all it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we talked about in the last episode where he thought he had his chip out and he was going to kill her. You asked us, do you think he would have done it? I think he would have done it because he didn't get to do it. He's now like, holy shit, that feeling that I had, I can't do it. I can't kill her. So I guess I have to lo- be in love with her. I guess well, I'm in love with her. That's a leap, right? I mean, it's not It's not because I can't kill her. I'm in love with her. But it's like I, I feel so strongly. Right. And usually that implies this thing. But, oh, maybe it's not this thing. Well, it can't be this thing because I can't fucking do it. But I love her. I mean, there's that, like, trope of the idea that, like, hate and love are, yeah. like, two sides of the same coin. Like, the opposite of hate or the opposite of love is apathy. So when you're feeling a really strong emotion like that, it's easy for it to switch to the other one because... They're so similar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so Peter says something like, uh, when Spike's going up to Buffy at the end with the, the shotgun, mm-hmm. and he's like, for Spike, it, it was only going to end one way. It's, it's like sex or violence, right? But then we have this curveball where he's kind. Yeah. And like, so that's... That's Spike's arc, right? Like, he's supposed to be this villain. He's this everything. But we, you know, we see clearly we have the 
exact one-to-one where Cecily says, you're beneath me. And then at the end, Buffy says, yeah. you're beneath me. That was mm-hmm. good. And it's like, it's a very obvious point, but it's still really powerful where Spike started off his life as this like romantic mm-hmm. kind of overly flowerly, really sensitive person. And he's been through a hundred plus years of, of murdering and being a terrible monster. And he is right back on his ass crying about yeah. a girl it's great. again. It's great. So it's like, <laughs> the reaction is to just I'm gonna fucking kill her <laughs> don't come back to me when you can't do it <laughs> <laughs> Harmony oh Harmony Harmony looks me? great she does look her great her hair her hair looks great she was just she I must mean, have just been filming a shampoo commercial or something because it's, it's that and, like she took a shower in the crypt like where is she doing this? <laughs> and that little jumper apparently Cordelia wears that jumper in an episode of Angel nice so. Her they're just the must be the same size. Well, doesn't she <laughs> visit? Uh, they're like roommates, yeah, right? Well, yeah, there's that or one she just stays with her. Yeah. Yeah. And then she finds out Harmony is a vampire. Yeah. But so she, she thinks she's, she's saying lesbian. she's a lesbian. lesbian. Yeah. Yes. yes, of course. And then she tells her about Willow. So funny. So good. The lols. But then, yeah, Harmony. Oh, it's like you like Angel. Yep, okay. I like parts of Angel. I like parts. The season five part, which is the only good part. Anyway, the scene of them on the steps is very cute. And I just wanted to say Wow. It was. Oh, no, it was great. I, <laughs> I thought we were about to go into yelling. But... Yeah, I think maybe it's time. We can do a little bit of yelling, yeah. even though I was going to, I just didn't get them all in. Sometimes you have extra yelling. Yeah. Stacia, can you tell me you're yelling? My one yelling? Yeah. Uh, the only note I wrote was, I'm the very spirit of vexation. That's good. So the poem, um, we actually get to hear the entire poem. There's really? only a couple lines longer than what we hear. But in a season five episode of Angel, nice. um, I think what... It's not called Why We Fight. It's the one before that. Um, Spike is at a like a biker bar, and they have an open mic, I guess, and mm. he's saying his, his poem. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cute. Mm-hmm. It's payoff. Please, it's not finished. Don't be shy. My heart expands. Tis grown a bulge in it, inspired by your beauty, effulgent. Effulgent. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's just. I'm happy. Faith is evil. Uh, Riley mentions about being a tennis stab, a tennis wound, or whatever. So so she's like, Do do you think I'm a big wuss for passing out after I got stabbed? And he was like, Yeah, you're right. I prefer women who can play 10 rounds of tennis after they've sustained a serious injury. Okay. That's all. Oh, okay. So. I don't know if he's hearkening to an actual event. So when he said that, Monica Seles, who was the best player in tennis in 1993, she finished the match or whatever and was just walking toward the stand, sat down, dried herself off, whatever. About to stand up. She stood up to go back onto the court. Guy with a, what is it, a nine-inch blade (gasps) stabbed her right in the back between her shoulders. What? She didn't play tennis for two years. Gunter Pasha, an obsessive fan of Steffi Graf, stabbed Selesh with a knife during a changeover at the Citizen Cup in Hamburg. I remember sitting on the bench. I was just like thinking uh, to myself, I should change. I'm giving my opponent a little bit of too much what she liked. And then suddenly I just felt like such a hard pain, like sharp pain in me. It's like, ooh. And then I. I wanted to touch what's in there, and I just saw blood. The five-inch blade narrowly missed Selish's spinal cord. It was a sickening and unprovoked attack. 
they thought it was uh, she was Yugoslavian, right, and then Ser- Serbia. Um, so they thought it was politically motivated, but he was just a crazy guy. So it happened in Germany. So she refused to play in Germany for the rest of her life. Um, but yeah, she was the number one, and she had like grand slam after grand. Like she was great, and then she never retained herself after she came back. Holy shit! So, I don't know that that's what uh, Riley was saying. It's ninety three, so it definitely happened. <laughs> but it might not be though. I mean, like I don't expect yeah. you to play tennis after being stabbed. Right. I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't doubt it is what I'm saying. Because it was a very... Petra it, was right. Riley's taking a dark turn. <laughs> it was a very famous thing. So. Damn. Mm-hmm. Did anyone else notice that Buffy has her entire foot inside of the display case, the magic box, when she's casually talking to Giles about the death of Slayers? Her foot, her entire foot, boot and all, is inside the display case. As if, if you were a customer standing in front of the display case, you would see Buffy's entire foot inside of the display case next to the other magical How trials. much is the Slayer foot? The and, customer asks. And I would say, which customer? There weren't any customers. <laughs> Never again. Just that opening day. I'm just saying, I think Giles Drew. should be like, hey, get your foot out of my fucking display case. Wow. I don't think Giles cares. I don't think Giles could possibly <laughs> even bring himself to say those words. He would say bloody. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. He would he say would bloody. Say bloody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, the, only, the last thing I've got is Joyce wasn't going to tell Buffy about her treatment. I mean, that was mm. pretty stone cold. Uh, she was clearly packing a bag, too, and my first thought immediately upon seeing the bag and Joyce packing something was, where the fuck are you going? That took Buffy a good second to get to that point. So I'm very curious as to what, why why isn't Joyce telling her daughter about her shadow? This yelling is co-sponsored by Stacia. Yes. You don't need to stay overnight for a CT scan. You oh. definitely don't need to pack a bag where you're having multiple changes of clothing in a hospital where you're certainly not going to change your clothes. Where I need my conditioner. You're, not, you're definitely not going to condition that's, your hair. Certainly not with shampoo because that's what that was. <laughs> and why would your conditioner, I'm, maybe this is weird, I don't know, conditioner under the sink? That seems like a long place to be for you needing it in the shower. Uh, the only thing, like if you have a new bottle, they haven't opened yet. But at what point, why would you take the new unopened bottle? I just... You're not taking a shower at the hospital where you're not going to stay overnight for a CT scan. All of this is lies, just like you're lying to your daughter about the severity of your issue. Thank you. Damn. Terrible. I was going to wait to for things. I know. She you got to roast her. She needed it. You got to roast her. Some nail polish experiments are doomed before they even begin. <laughs> but you keep pushing the envelope, honey. So we make a point for Buffy to be like, uh, I'm unsatisfied with the detail in which the watchers kept track of. Yeah. The Slayer's deaths. Do you think that Buffy went to Giles and dictated a full report of this is how the Slayers <laughs> died? Someone should know about this, please. Or, you know, Buffy herself wrote it down because you can't be mad at people for not taking nope. notes and then not take notes yourself. Come on. Oh, Buffy. yeah, like they wrote notes about the time she died or how Kendra died. <laughs> Buffy Fair can't write, so she doesn't know how to do that. No, I no, you're right. Can't write. Pot calling the kettle black. This bitch has not put down a single <laughs> line of dialogue about her death. Because yeah. again, it's like it's like institutional memory. They're just together with one another. They don't need to tell one another. But come on, guys, you got to think. If you're mad about that, then they're going to be mad about you. Yeah. Write it down. That is a great point. Like, did you should have said, or one would hope, if it had happened, but we clearly know that it hadn't. hadn't there's nothing in here except for the one about me and the one about Kendra because we wrote it down. <laughs> the no, police showed up. There's forgot. also a police report. See the appendix A for the police report filed under Kendra's death. Mm-hmm. Kendra's we all death, forgot. Which we Kendra know. last name redacted. Last name redacted. Death <laughs> Kendra needs no last name. <laughs> She's iconic. Like Madonna. I hope or that's Prince. in the police report. She's iconic. They call me Kendra. 
I have no last name, sir. Can you say stuck in the 80s? Buffy, please. The only other thing I have is before our episode even takes place, the previously on, because we do our little yeah. like we do some school hard stuff. Because we're like, it was good to see first. that. They're little babies. They're little babies. Like a little baby. It's only been like three and a half years. He looks so much younger. Yeah. It's very strange. It also paid off really well. Like the, the what we knew about Spike, about the railroad Spike, and about all that stuff. It was nice to see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's yes. a, a non-canon comic about that like because it kind of implies that guy who's like i'd rather have a railroad spike driven through my head or whatever um the, so in the comic spike goes back and kills everyone at the party nice oh dope so i mean and obviously we that's what we learn about him in school hard is that he has a penchant for driving railroad spikes through people's heads wow and which is annoying because we never actually <laughs> see that right now, that would be amazing if he just constantly had a fucking hammer and a railroad <laughs> spike. um i also do love the whole call too even though he tries to be cool he's still just like a nerd at heart because he gave oh. himself the nickname like mm-hmm. people weren't like oh you're so badass using railroad spikes i'm gonna call you spike no he was like to his friends my name is spike now which is great oh. and so spike you know what else is great our podcast we're a real one and you can find us everywhere at beat me pod that's twitter tumblr instagram we have a website beatmepod.wordpress.com that's show notes which are notes about this show we also have a playlist on spotify beat me hyphen fun time playlist playlist for podcast fans season five that'll contain all the music played in these episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer as well as all music played in these episodes of Beat Me Pod. Uh, it's time to be updated on our watches and I am I might need to vie for well we'll see. Please update me. Yeah. I, I, these were after the fact ones because I was so enthralled by the episode. Uh, Xander Construction Outfit Watch? No. I can say that definitively. Maroon Jacket Watch? No. Mm-hmm. Buffy wore the same thing all the time. Dogs Piercing Screams? I say no because no. she's not in danger. No, we know the one. When you hear it, you know. When, yes. Chips Ahoy, of course. Chips are incredibly important. They are Ahoy. <laughs> They're Ahoy. They're important. Honestly, again, once in a millennium, who's getting chipped? Like, Spike just being able to do this is just so... Even with Buffy, where she's just like, so what if I do want it? Like, that tension between them, it's so interesting. Because, like, Angel's one thing, but he's a wimp, as we've said. Mm-hmm. So now you have Spike, who's like, Spike, but he's only this way because of a chip. Interesting stuff. Buffy's a personality, though. No. The Hoffman watch, no. Sandy watch, no. Michael Wicket, Amy Goth watch, no. No. Books a million, yeah. There were books around. They were reading <laughs> books. I see a book. Uh, they were watch- uh, reading the Watcher's Diaries. Watcher's Diaries, whatever. Uh, Streets Ahead, no. Not in Sunnydale. And Giles Biggest KO, no. I know. Okay, I thought you had some. No, I was going to say eh, Cecily. She doesn't count. She doesn't count. Uh. Sometimes I like to stretch things. Mm, yeah, she's sometimes. Literally not, she not the Hoffman. She's not Halfrick. <laughs> also, it's not Halfrick watch. It's the Hoffman watch. I know. I know. We should have made it Vengeance watch. Anyway. We could. We could. Well, we can. No, it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it's time to rank this sucker. We, we got to do it. And let me tell you, because I think it's important to be honest. Juke the hell out of the stats. Um, this is the only one I couldn't get away with, Willow. Ah. Uh, you know, I forgot the even name of the category. Willow Relax, Hacks. we talk about the net. <laughs> slash, we talk about the net. Slash, something we get this way in comes. Nothing. It was a five. Which was the lowest. And it was the hardest. Pick it around. And maybe everything else <laughs> fucked up. So, 
five it is. Yeah, she really didn't interact with a screen of any kind, so that's a tough look. No, she was barely in the episode. Barely in the episode. As Maybe was... they were magical potato chips. That's true. Have you thought about that? Oh, six. Uh, same as Giles. Giles was barely in the episode, too. But I gave him an eight because he loves Buffy. <laughs> and he's wearing his little suit in the magic box. It's so looks fun. Good. He looks he's good. a proud business owner. And I think he deserves an eight for that because the rankings demand it. Riley ruins everything slash Joyce is a terrible mom. Now, I think that Riley really did a, a great one. Did, did, did a great one this episode. He saved Buffy's life. Uh, he was reckless when he went back to attack the vampires by himself, but it was, you know, made for a fun scene. That's, I think that's him. I know. Look at him. Yeah. I mean, he did, did a lot of his own stunts, but like. What a goof. What a goof. Other than that, other than him, you know, with his, his dark side of being reckless, he not only saved Buffy's life, but he, you know, patched her up. Combat medic training. That's true. Good job. Which Royce has discussed. Terrible. Mm. Uh, I, I get that you don't want your kids to worry, but you need to know if you're just leaving. I know. You're, you, you guys established the very first episode of this season, second episode of the season, that Dawn can't be left alone. And again, you're abandoning her without telling anyone. Yeah. You also need to... Buffy needs to know if you're going to the hospital. You can't just leave in the night, you lunatic. Because the rankings demand it. I give an eight to Riley, but not to Joyce. For reasons. Uh-huh. Monster of the week. So Yikes. Spike, obviously, right? He's the monster of the week, I guess. Come but on. Come on, 10 to 10. But he's not really the villain because he's just one of our friends now. He True. can't actually kill or hurt Buffy. So I would say the monster well, of the week is Van Halen, vampire. And I gave him a 10. You know why? Because he looked great, and he stabbed Buffy. He stabbed. He did not get killed by Buffy. He not only escaped, but he stabbed her. Could have mortally wounded her. And I argue that she should have been more ill than she was. So ten, ten to Van Halen vampire, and also Spike. Uh, relationship goodness or badness? Buffy and Riley seem to be doing great. We've recovered from our last week. Yeah, they're gonna be fine. Toughness. Yeah, it's gonna work out. Giles and Buffy are great. Spike and Buffy, better friends than ever. Even though we had a weird moment where we tried to kiss her, but they had it, it all came together in the end. Got our little porch scene. Great, great. Uh, the Scoobies and Riley, maybe not so great, but that's fine. Nine. Nine for goodness or badness. Because <laughs> Riley the, and the Scoobs are still friends. It's just he wanted to he wanted to get some business done, and they were kind of, they needed to be away. Yeah, he's only doing that for Buffy, which he actually did, because at first I thought he wasn't going to do it with them, because she asked him to. And he was yeah. like, yeah, sure, babe, I'll do it. That's fine. But, but he, he did. did it. He did it because. Sort of. Their and then he went and good. grenaded a fucking tomb with actual dead bodies in there. Those families are grieving. Oh, yeah. That's a real mausoleum. Should he get an eight? We can't change what happened. Uh, <laughs> it's already set in stone. Episode specific. So this is what my uh, vision is. I'm going to read this whole thing. Okay. But then you are oh. going to. Is it the whole spike quote? It's part of a whole. Okay. It's not, it, there's like paragraphs. I know, paragraphs it's a long so it's just like, it's like a piece. Death, Death is your art. You, you make it with your hands day after day. day, after day. That final that gasp. Final that gasp. Piece. Part of you is desperate to know. Part of you is desperate to know what's it like. Where does it lead you? And now you see, that's the secret. Not the punch she didn't throw, or the kick she didn't land. She merely wanted it. Every slayer has a death wish. 
Even you. Death is her art and her gift. And her art gift. Ah! The gift. Mm. Gift. Yes. Confirmed. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't actually said in this episode, but yes. Oh, did they not say the art and gift? Your, yeah. But well, you, you said, said that. Just, Beth is your art. Oh, you, but you said gift. Mm-hmm. Beth is also her, your gift. Ah, uh, I thought he said gift, too. Death is your gift. Gift confirmed. Not really. But, I mean, that that's so important. And that's, like, yeah. the, not only the lesson of this whole episode, but kind of, like... The Slayer at large. Like, why? Yeah. And someone, smart person on the internet, pointed out that, in, it might have been written by Stacia, actually, um, nice. <laughs> that Buffy also had to want to die to go see the Master. I mean, she broke down to Giles. You know, I don't want to die. I'm a kid, but she went anyway. Like, that's a little death wish, right? Like, I know I'm mm-hmm. going to die, but I have to go. I have to do it. So, like, it makes sense. I don't It's just such a cool idea that, like, the reason why they failed is because they wanted it a little. They needed mm-hmm. to know. It was a curiosity. I mean, obviously, in the mm-hmm. moment, it's just a mistake, but, like, could it have been avoided? Could uh, yeah, been... it could have been avoided if you stopped quipping all the time. If you just <laughs> chewed the fuck out. <laughs> didn't try to jump over the goddamn tombstone. Yeah, dude, you could have fa- You could have fallen that, like... on the tombstone and, like, fallen next to him. Yeah. He could have eaten you. Like, honestly, you're, just, you're asking for it. I mean, on some level. And I think that's it. Anyway, but you look cool when you're bragging. That's true. And doing a million flips for no reason. So 50. I gave it a 50 because I needed to have a 50 because I could not, in good conscience, let this be below Buffy versus Dracula. <laughs> so... What's that, 49? No, it's also 50. But since it's a tie, <laughs> I said this is number one for the season, right above Buffy versus Dracula. It's still tied. Zero regrets. <laughs> anyway, Stacia, what was your ranking for this episode? Um, this is way higher than Buffy versus Dracula. <laughs> yeah, easy. Uh, so is mine. Okay, I think we just learned higher than Buffy versus Dracula. Oh no. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, I put this at sixteen out of eighty-five. Sixteen. Out oh, of 16. Wow. Nice. I put it one above Lover's Walk. That felt. Yeah, that's good. Like a nice pairing. Yeah. Very nice. Nice. 16. And the only reason why it's above Lover's Rock is because the only notes I wrote was Spike returns to Sunnydale after getting dumped. Cute scene with Joyce. And I remember those things, but I don't remember anything else about the episode. So clearly even my notes to help me remember is not working. I'm fearing for myself and my memory. (laughs) (laughs) They're at the school. It's when uh, Willow and Xander make out. And, uh, Ew. And, Cordelia find, and then Cordelia falls through the stairs yeah. and gets stabbed by Rita. Okay, good. I feel good about Fool for Love being higher than that. As long as nothing really bad happens between now and then, you'll be fine. Are you crazy? What did you say that for? Nothing bad is going to happen. What do you mean? Nothing's going to happen? Not until some dummy says, as long as nothing bad happens. It's the ultimate jinx. What were you thinking? What were you even thinking at all? Well, you guys don't know. Maybe this time it'll be different. 19 out of 137, the number one of this year behind our family's the next one at 28. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, full for love. Nice. Fucking great. great Definitely episode. a top 20 episode. Um, Spike is just one of the best characters. And to have such a good episode with him is so, so excellent. Why am I getting a patronizing arm rub? You just love Bobby versus Dracula so much. I do. It's great. Oh, <laughs> it's so embarrassing. It's one of the best episodes of the series, guys. No, it's not. What are you serious? I think yeah. I was charitable. Ah, 42. I see. It's not that far down. It's fine. 
I'm but all of this love, though, I I want to rank it lower. It's <laughs> you want to rank Buffy versus Dracula lower? Just because of all of this banter. If I if I could redo it now, knowing that we'd never hear the end of it. <laughs> so good. One thirty-five. How dare, <laughs> How dare you? Is that open? Yeah, yeah. It's but it's rough. I mean, wrecked and smashed. Own one thirty-four and one thirty-five. That's a good comment. And there's nothing that I can do to change that. <laughs> like, if I like them, I can't do it. They have to go. Because Double Meat Palace, I can't think of anything else that's that bad. Nick I just, that I have to, I don't care. I, it has to go that low. I'm in a really, really terrible spot. There are some episodes of season seven that are. I know. And I think I, I think I rated seven so high before that I'm like. Well, even I the next episode is not good. Remember what's going on. Shadow. Yeah, I'm sure it's in the middle yeah. of the back. All right, cool. Well, I'll save this. Snake Demon. Oh, Gotta love those. Throw it even further down. <laughs> great, great, great. All right, well, I'm into it. Well, unfortunately, Fool for Love in the books. Never, ever, ever watch it again. But what a great episode of television. Um, next week's going to be Shadow. So, uh, anyway, Stacia, <laughs> do you have anything else to say about this episode of TV? No. Daniel, do you have anything else to say about this Absolutely not. <laughs> nothing about effulgence? No, nothing. I mean, it is an underrated word. It's a good word. Why would they just make fun of him? Sight unseen. He said it again, and then everyone laughs. And I'm like, why is that funny? (laughs) It's like, I mean, the bulge in it, that's, that's like the questionable part for me. Right. Like, rhyming bulge in it with effulgence, good, good rhyme, but the bulge in it part, keep it on the DL, but I guess that's what the bulge is for. Because you're not saying it. In your heart. (laughs) Classic heart boner. Um, <laughs> Peter was like, I got away with so much sexy stuff in this episode. This is probably the dirtiest episode I ever wrote because he loves to say that. He also his favorite the thing to be like, every time he sees his name on the screen, he's like, they should put that bigger in flashing. I'm like, you make that joke literally every commentary. So cool, 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 cool. Um, it's consistent. But it made me think, it made me get mad about last week all over again because I was like, yeah, you guys are fucking with blood all over you, yet we can't have two ladies kiss. Right, right, right. Point. Anyway. Until next week, for Shadow, Stacia, say goodbye. Goodbye. Daniel, say goodbye. Some podcasts, like nail polish experiments, are doomed before they begin. But we keep pushing the envelope. Thanks for listening. Bye. The minute you look for fun, there's death and there's glorious sod all else around you.
I just like them. They make me feel all manly. <laughs>